Hey everybody, this is Matt. And Nicole. On this episode of After the Kid Goes Down, we watch In Bruges. Is that how you say it? No, In Bruges. <laughs> and Bill and Ted face the music. Let's go. so pumped for this <laughs> all right so nicole is super excited about bill and ted's face the music i'm a big fan i mean who isn't i didn't realize you were this big of a fan oh my god i own both the dvds and i watch them a lot i cannot wait for this it's gonna be excellent it's either gonna be excellent or i feel like it could be terrible it's not gonna be terrible it's not gonna be terrible don't say that <laughs> i don't know man Comedy sequels, like, how long has it been since the last Bill and Ted? It doesn't matter. They're grown-ass men now, though. Yeah, that's what's funny. Is it funny? It's gonna be funny. Or is it, like, milking the franchise for every... Milking the franchise? Are you just repeating things that I say? (laughs) Repeating things that you say? (laughs) It's been... uh, How many years? My guess would be 20. 20 20-something? 25? Probably. 80s, 90s, yeah. That's not... That's not really milking... It's not like Indiana Jones. Oh, the Crystal Skull? What a terrible movie. <laughs> this is going to be great. Keanu Reeves is still great. Man, I want to watch more Keanu Reeves movies. We should. We should watch... What's the one you want to watch? John Wick. Yeah. Let's watch those. Yeah, I mean, I liked Bill and Ted when I was a, when I was a youngin, a little one, but uh, I, don't know if I, fi- I don't know if I'll find a new one funny now. I'm just nervous. I'm nervous that it's going to be another thing that ruins my childhood. <laughs> as an adult well that's sad it just got released when this week this week it maybe today what's uh, today today's friday the august 27th sure <laughs> <laughs> i think it got released today either today or yeah. yesterday on amazon prime correct no a bunch of different ways you, you can mm. rent it on demand there's a few different apps that are so multiple releasing what, it. was yep. the plan to release it in theaters was that the... i assume so yeah Okay. Okay. Well, that's why we're watching that one. We're trying to do more new releases. Also, we're chipping away at the 100 movie bucket list. Um, this one is in Bruges, starring a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. Nicole's never seen it. I have. Mm-mm. I've seen it one time right when it got released to DVDs, back when that was a thing that happened with movies. And I remember loving it. It's like funny, but dark and serious. Get, our, where, <laughs> our dog is crying somewhere. Where, where is she? She got the ball stuck underneath the couch. And oh, she's just staring depressingly under the couch for the ball <laughs> and whining. We're um, doing a podcast, Olive, so you're going to have to be miserable for the next 10 minutes. All I know is that I really I really like the Gleason family. Yes. Colin Farrell? Isn't it? Yeah, he's the lead. Yeah. I don't I know that... I think won a Golden Globe for it. I feel like I've only seen one colin farrell movie and it Which was is? it was that weird one that we watched the lobster oh that's the only colin farrell movie i think so i was trying to think daredevil, of it devil the amazing daredevil film no i know he plays bullseye no and he's fucking terrible no i didn't see that yeah. one yeah you've seen uh the the first what uh the mystery beasts of grids and wald oh yeah i forgot he was in that yeah 
I, the mystery <laughs> piece of Grindelwald. <laughs> What 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 is it? What's I'm not going to tell you. It doesn't. That title is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in that. He was good in that. Yeah. Oh, I, it's got uh, your boy Peter Dinklage, isn't it? Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt calls a lot of people my boy, and half the time I'm like, why? But Peter Dinklage is definitely one of my faves. Now, why is he one of your faves again? You just like him as an actor? Yeah, I just think he's really good. He is really good. You think you are Tyrion Lannister, so... I wish I was Tyrion Lannister. And, yeah. It's crazy to see him then in Elf. Like, after watching Game of Thrones, and then you watch Elf, and you're like, oh, man. It's just, like, so hard to take him serious. He's got such great comedic timing. I'm, exci- I'm excited now that I know this movie has him in it. All right. So let's go watch these suckers. Okay. Bill and Ted Face the Music. Released in 2020. Directed by Dean Parasat, starring Bridget Lundy Payne, Samara Weaving, Keanu Reeves, and Alex Winter. The ruler of the future tells best friends, Bill and Ted, they must compose a new song to save life as we know it. But instead of writing it, they decide to travel through time to steal it from their older selves. Meanwhile, their young daughters devise their own musical scheme to help their fathers bring harmony to the universe. All right, so we just finished watching Bill and Ted's Face the Music, the third film in the Bill and Ted trilogy. Thoughts? I loved it. I thought you it was loved most it? excellent. Oh my <laughs> god. Please defend loving this film. I'll I'll rephrase that a little kinder. <laughs> what did you love about this film? <laughs> you don't have to be kind if you hated it. Hate's a strong word. Go ahead. I want to hear. I want to hear the positives first. I mean, it was like very like heavy on the nostalgia. It was perfect for what it was gonna be. Like, it was another Bill and Ted movie. They go throughout history, or at the their daughters go throughout history to collect historical music figures to play in a band for them. It's even better than their high school report. It's oh so good. God. It, I love it. In the expectations, we talked about Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. This is no Crystal Skull. You don't even go there. <laughs> I mean, it toes that line. Stop it. Why? Um, no, I mean, I will say this. Nicole will tell you that I'm not one that um, laughs during movies. And I chuckled a couple times during this yes, film. Yes, mostly Mainly at the robot. at the robot. Yeah, <laughs> at Dennis McQuaid, the robot. Or McQuail, whatever his name was. I don't know who played the robot, but... I looked him up. I, I don't recognize him from anything. That dude was the best part of the movie. The fact that they introduce, they introduce this robot who's going to go back in time and space to kill Bill and Ted. And when the robot is introduced, it's like a Terminator-esque badass. And then it turns out to be like a dweeb. It was kind of fun. Like, I enjoyed Dennis, the robot. He was like awkward. Dennis Caleb McCoy. Yes. Uh, the actor's name is Anthony Kerrigan. Oh, Anthony Kerrigan. Do you know who that is for no, real? No, I have no well, idea. I don't know. <laughs> I said I didn't. You're you're so mean. Yep. Um, no, but he was good. And he, he was very good. Every time he was awkward and goofy and he was like right on their shoulder and wanted to be involved, I thought that was good. That was funny. He was a super anxious 
mega killer. But you want to know what the part of the problem is and I couldn't get past it. They just look fucking old. They are old. I know. I mean, they're not, they're they're like in their fifties. Yeah, that's not just, incredibly they, old, but like Keanu Reeves looks like Keanu Reeves, but the other guy, Alex Winters, like, and they were. I thought they were going to go there more about that. Like early on in the movie, they set up they set up that these guys are essentially living still as Bill and Ted in their teenage years, and I thought they were going to like plan that more, or like that was going to be the under current in the movie is like they need to grow up or they need to like let their daughters be them but that was the undercurrent of the movie what are you talking about did you not see through the the same movie that i did i didn't because most of the movie was like i I don't know i just i it was i like the interactions between them and the different versions of themselves like that was fun i don't know man it just like i i'd be okay if this movie didn't exist like, the first two Bill and Ted's are great, and they're classics, but, like, I don't know. It just, they were old, and, like, it wasn't that funny either. Like, I didn't, besides Dennis, the goofy robot, I don't how, know. How great was Mozart? Yeah, but Mozart was good because he, he would just yell frantically in German, and it was like, <laughs> but Bill and Ted need to be the best part of Bill and Ted. And they were, like, an afterthought, you know what I mean? Like the they first weren't. Movie, the first two movies were great because the two of them were great. They were like, dude, and like they did all that. It was, <laughs> it was awesome and it was funny. But in this, they were just like, I don't know. I'm disappointed. I I, I am too. <laughs> I'm disappointed as well. I mean, I guess I'm not disappointed. It's the third fucking Bill and Ted movie. Like, I, I don't know what I was anticipating. You know what it is? We recently watched Palm Springs. Like, to me, that's a better comedy than this is. I'd rather watch Palm Springs again, and I'd be okay never watching this again. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Defend your movie. I'm not, I mean, I don't think it was like the greatest movie of all time, but it was fun, and it was like exactly what I was hoping I for. I don't even know how fun it was, though. Like, I. It I was so fun. I don't know. But it was it was more fun when you were with the daughters, which I think I thought was okay. As the daughters are going throughout history collecting the musical, so they, they collect, I mean, yeah. should, should I spoiler who they collect? No, I'm not no. going to because it's so much fun to see who they who they go get. I thought all of that was fantastic. And then they go see Death. Yeah, the Death scene was good. I like, I like Death. But here's my problem. The daughters were just female versions of Bill and Ted from the original Bill and Ted's. And then they just do what the original Bill and Ted do. Like... I've seen all that. I've seen all that. And it was funny the first time. I don't need to see it again with young girls playing Bill and Ted. Well, I did. Like, it was essentially a remake with females in those roles. I'd rather have seen that movie. Just remake Bill and Ted. Do what they did with Ghostbusters and the other and Ocean's Eleven. With I mean, like I said, I chuckled. There were funny parts. I'm not going to doubt that. There were funny parts, but I don't know. It reminded me. It is going to be. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but it reminded me of like. The Tenacious D Pick of Destiny movie. Like, no, I've never seen any Tenacious D Well, like, anything. you know, there was all this hype for a long time at Tenacious D movie, Tenacious D movie, and then Tenacious D movie came out, and it was like, it was what you thought it was going to be, but, like, it wasn't as good as it could have been. And that's why, this movie just didn't need to happen. I didn't need, <laughs> I didn't need a third Bill and Ted in my life, you know? I'm so sad you feel that way. Like, could you really, pay, would you have paid movie ticket prices to see this movie in theaters? Yes. You're out of your goddamn mind. I love Bill and Ted. <laughs> I love a lot of franchises too, but I love Indiana Jones. 
But I didn't. And we paid money to go see the Crystal Skull. And so it was, what are you talking about? It was about? a mistake. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that this was a mistake to go pay money for. No, this. this. It wasn't like. Crystal s- Skull was painful. This wasn't painful. This was fun. This, this was, was a fun tribute to the first two movies. I wouldn't. You're right. It wasn't painful. But it just. It wasn't. I was I was bored in parts of it. You know, they're just. like they're, Okay. Like, I'm going to get a little. F- film nerdy here for a second hold on all right so there's something in film called a mcguffin Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. a mcguffin is an item in the movie that this is like a writing technique there's a there's is an item in the movie that the characters care about that really doesn't matter to the audience okay Mm -hmm. a classic example is raiders raiders of the lost ark right the ark is what Indiana Jones is chasing in the movie, but as an audience, you're not really wrapped up on him finding the Ark. You're you're entranced by Indiana Jones. Okay, in Pulp Fiction, it's a suitcase that glows. So a MacGuffin is that item, and there, there's a bunch of examples in, in film history. Like I said, it's the object in a movie the characters want, but the audience really could care less because that's not what the movie's really about. And I felt like the MacGuffin in this was the song, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to find the song. So what did I? What, like, what was I supposed to? What was I supposed to care about in this movie? I know some people get all tight when I talk about this type of stuff because, like, man, it's a fucking comedy. The third Bill and Ted. But like, there's been a lot of comedy series in, in franchises. Not a lot, but there've been some. And in a good comedy, the MacGuffin has to exist, but we have to care about something else in the movie. Like, a Groundhog's Day is a great example. The MacGuffin is kind of like him getting out of the time loop, but really, as you watch the movie, you learn to f- to fall in love with his character changing to a good person. And it becomes less about him being stuck in a little time loop and more about his love with this woman, right? This didn't have that. There was nothing I was, like, wrapped into and was like, man, I helped Bill and Ted get their wives back. Like, that would have been one. Man, I hope that they that they allow their daughters to be themselves. Like, even though it's a comedy, those things can, should still kind of be there for it to be a good comedy. And it wasn't there. The MacGuffin was like what we were actually supposed to get. Like, he, we were supposed to be like, oh man, are they going to find the song that saves the reality? Like, I don't give a shit if they do. And if I don't really care about that because it's a comedy, and you're like, who the fuck really cares if they don't succeed? Then I have to care about something. All I cared about was watching Bill and Ted do Bill and Ted things, and that's what I got. I don't know, like... Did you really get Bill and Ted doing Bill and Ted things, though? What did they do? They went back in time and argued with themselves four different times. All of that was great to me. The scene in the in the therapist's office was amazing to me the first time, and then they they go back and talk to them about how they, how they make mistakes like that, and, and they do it in such a Bill and Ted, like... We're trying to get it, but like we don't really get it, dude. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's not so good though. I don't know. I just because I get like, I get what you're saying. But like, that, and that, I think it's okay to have expectations like that. <laughs> Some expectations for would be for, nice. for the art that you're consuming. I just. Like, like, he, like he, he, I'm going to rattle off some things we just watched and didn't review in this podcast. But good, fun, dumb comedies, right? Mm-hmm. I would say Paddington and Paddington 2 are good, fun family comedies. You know, Palm Springs was a good comedy. Um, Dumb and Dumber, you know, is a good comedy. 
but they all have something that you attach yourself to. Like at the end of Paddington 2, you and me sat on the couch and wept like babies <laughs> at the end. Yep. Paddington 2 is I mean. so good, you guys. It is good. <laughs> and like Dumb and Dumber is great, you know, and I'm just trying to think of classic, you know, and if it's going to be a if it's going to be a dumb comedy movie, like an airplane where it's just stupid funny, then the whole movie's got to make no fucking sense. And this didn't hit this didn't land I, in either of those listen, rounds. Listen, I get like I'm I'm on board for what you're saying. What I'm saying though is that I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I guess I was I was not, not yeah, I was kind of I enjoyed moments. I enjoyed moments of this movie. I enjoyed Dennis and like the therapy scene's a great example. I'm glad you brought that up. What made the therapy scenes was the fucking therapist and her reaction to like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, that was great about that scene. The other four of them could have not existed and that scene would have been just as fun. I thought Bill and Ted were what was great about that scene. And that I thought the therapist was too. Her reactions to them make that scene. Their complete cluelessness, it just does it for me. Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 dude, whoa, like that type of stuff. It's it's always going to be like, put a smile on your face. But if I watch the third movie, I need something different. I need so I need something more than what I got for the first two movies. Even if it's comedy. You gotta throw something different at me. I'm sorry. I mean I was it was written by the guy that wrote the first two movies. So it's I guess it's got I, almost everyone I think the I mean obviously the, the daughters are new. But yeah, it's almost the, the whole The princesses are different, but everybody else uh Ted's father, Missy they're all the same. Yeah, I think most actors. Of, I think most of the creative team, like I said, the producers, the writers, they're all the same as the first two. But I guess maybe that's what would be my problem. Like some fresh blood in there would have been nice. Just something a little different. Give me something a little different. I love seeing Keanu Reeves in a fat suit and then ten minutes later in a jacked prison suit. Like I that that was like. But it's funny because it's Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it's not funny because it's fucking Bill or Ted dressed like that. Yeah. The funniest part to me, one of the funniest parts was when they were talking to British accents. That was a great part. Like, that's funny. But th- that's like, I-, I don't know. That's all that I... That's all you needed. That's all that I needed. We sit down to these movies and because we know we're going to do a podcast, we're, we're thinking. I didn't want to think... With this movie, I <laughs> yep. just wanted to sit down and enjoy the shit out of two dumb dudes, <laughs> and I did. And they also had two dumb daughters that I that I appreciated as well. Yeah, so I, just, I feel like those are missed opportunities. Okay, can we talk I about can we talk about Kristen Shaw being in it though for a second? Sure. Just because she's a she's a pretty big name that was new. Yep. To, what about her? She, so she plays Rufus's daughter, George Carlin's daughter. Yep. I didn't think she was very good. And and do you think she's very good in this or in like general? Do you like her? Are you a Christian Shaw I don't fan? understand the Christian Shaw thing. I think no, I shouldn't say that. I like I thought she was good in this movie because I think what she does well is it would be easy for her to be typecast in like the last man on earth type of role where she's the annoying chick. Well, that's all she ever is though. Yeah, but she wasn't really that in this movie. She was like the no. voice of reason in this movie. But again, you like this is my point is like her character could have been cut out of this movie and it wouldn't have mattered 
an ounce. Yeah. No, it wouldn't have. There were a lot of those scenes, a lot of those characters in this movie. Kristen Shaw was good for what she had, but, like, what does she really do? She was an integral part of the film like George Carlin was. Yeah. This film was very diverse, and I just wanted to point that out as well, that when the daughters take their time machine and go back through time... They collect more people of color than white people, which is just not something that you really see. Yep. And I I loved that. Like, I went back and looked at Excellent Adventure, and Genghis Khan is the only person of color that they collect. It's all, like, Abraham Lincoln, Joan of Arc. Yeah. So I just, I thought that that was interesting enough to note. Yeah. No, it was definitely, yeah. Especially when when you're going to do a movie about finding some of the great musicians in in, in history... You know, you have to do people of color. So, what do you want to give it? <laughs> Can't wait to <laughs> I'm going to give it an case. A plus. I will reach across this table. <laughs> I will walk out of this podcast. <laughs> no, I want to give it a B. Like, it, I know, I understand that it like wasn't oh, it's great, fine. but gra- your grades, your grade, your grades, your grade. I really enjoyed it. You really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I really like, but the thing is, like, my expectations were already pretty low. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not good. No, but like in a, in a way that like I. You just needed to fill a certain void in your heart. And yes. It filled that void. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I would feel the same way if we weren't stuck in a pandemic and if I just didn't need to like. <laughs> like wasn't... desperately like revisit a happy time in my life. But like if you know, it was normal times. This movie would suck. I, it might, but right now in the political, social, fucking global pandemic world that we're living in, I needed a little Bill and Ted, and a song to unite us all. Oh my god! So, I liked it. What's your grade? If it wasn't for Dennis the Robot, it'd have a C minus. But I'm gonna give it a C. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a C. <laughs> Just for Dennis. Dennis bumps it up a third of a letter grade. It's a C. It's an all right movie. I'd be okay okay if I never saw it again. In Bruges. Released in 2008. Directed and written by Martin McDonough. Starring Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Ralph Fiennes. After a particularly difficult job, Hitmen Ray and Ken head to Belgium to hide out until things cool down. Ray hates the medieval city they land in, but Ken finds it beauty and peacefulness enchanting. Their experiences become increasingly surreal and possibly life-changing as they encounter tourists, locals, an American dwarf, and a potential romance for Ray. All right, so we just wrapped up in Bruges, which is currently on HBO Max, in case you have that. Like we said in Expectations, I had seen it, Nicole hasn't, so I'm going to let her go first. What were your, what are your initial reaction? First of all, not <laughs> Peter fucking Dinklage. Nope. Nope. <laughs> like, whoa, bro. Yep. Feel like an asshole. <laughs> At first, I was like, because in the beginning of the movie, he he's really only shown in, like, in passing. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, like, he's really young. Yeah. And then the first time they, like, actually lingered on his face, I was like, no. <laughs> no. And also, like, the math doesn't work. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, it's not him at all. So, no. Nope. Um, What a weird movie. Yeah. It's uh, unique. 
That's it? What a weird movie? <laughs> are, are you weird. still processing a little bit? Still processing a little bit. The the end of this, I think we've talked about before that an ending can completely make or break a movie for me. Yeah, you're like, a big even, ending person. I don't even care what I previously watched up until the end. If if your ending is bad, which is so unfair, just, like, because throw it endings in the trash. are hard. But go ahead. <laughs> throw it in the trash. Did you not like the ending then? I thought that I wasn't when Jimmy, who is not Peter Dinklage, correct. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to spoil the movie. Yeah, like, this right is gonna off, be, this right be off full of spoilers. Okay, so so Colin Farrell's character Ray has been brought to Bruges because he accidentally kills a little boy in the midst of this other hit that he's supposed to have. While right? he's killing a priest, which by the way is just like glossed over, like kills a priest in a church, accidentally kills a kid. Well, he talks about yeah. how everybody that he's killed, well, the one. It was his first hit. It was his first hit, but yep. the hits are typically on not great people. So that's what Ken says. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, you know, there's like a big shootout, and they they want to kill they want to kill Ray because he killed a little boy, and that can't that can't stand. Yep. And so like he's running out into the middle of the square, and Jimmy starts running toward him. And I'm just like, come on. Come on, because then Ralph Fiennes, who plays Harry, yep. um, inevitably shoots through Colin Farrell and kills Jimmy, yep. who is not a little boy. But is dressed like a schoolboy. And is a small person. It just felt really, like, cheap. Okay. Why? I don't know. It's like a weird choice to me. And then Ralph Fiennes ends up killing himself because he thinks he killed a little boy. Yep, and he had said in an earlier scene, I would I would have shot myself in the mouth right there. He says I'm that like, like three times. Yeah. I don't even like I, it's not like I have like any like feelings towards it in terms yep. of like I'm not like angry, but it just like seemed like a it's just like really? Yeah. So when this movie came out, it was the director's Martin McDowell, I think his name is. Um, it was his his debut, so that's why a it was kind of a big deal because it's quite the movie for a debut film. Mm-hmm. Plus, the cast is like half the Harry Potter series. Like, <laughs> there's there's five people in it that are in the Harry Potter franchise. That's true. Even Fleur de la Cour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's got a lot of uh, Harry Potter people in it, but it's a lot of big name actors for a, yes. day, a first time director to direct. Really, why this movie is famous is what I think is the best aspect of the movie which is the writing it was nominated for a lot of golden globes colin farrell won for for his acting performance but uh it got nominated for an oscar for original screenplay Mm -hmm. lost to milk but it got nominated so i think the writing is like snappy and witty and and a lot of things come full circle which is always nice when a writer does that like there's no wasted scenes like Harry's character is at the end when he shoots himself to me like that makes like that makes sense to me. He's like a principled honored man. Even though his screen time's very short in the movie, Ralph finds we still fully grasp this character by the time he makes the final decision to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Which is an impressive writing feat. Um, writing or acting? How is that a writing feat? Because the, the characterization 
it's the script that leads us to that. It's it's a little bit of both, but it's the script and his dialogue that leads you to understand his motives. Like Ralph Fiennes isn't coming up with those lines. It's not improv. I thought they were all good in it. Oh, they're all incredible. I think the, the scene the scene in the square between Brendan Gleeson and Ralph Fiennes is like a very good scene. The two of them are good. They're like funny, but there's like a lot that goes there. It's clear that they're two of the best actors in the movie. I know in the expectations you said you hadn't seen a lot of Colin Farrell films. So what do you think of Colin Farrell in this? I thought he was really good. He's in both of the films I've seen him in. He's uh, he's been the Lobster. Okay, I think that's it. I think I went back and even looked on Letterboxd to make sure, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure I haven't seen anything else with him in it. Because I read so much celebrity gossip and like. One of the bloggers, uh, he's her, like, forever dong. His what? Her forever dong. What does that mean? Which, I mean, he's pretty darn good looking. He could be my forever dong, too. But... What is a forever dong? Oh. <laughs> it's, like, forever bangable. Oh. Get okay. It? Okay. Um, <laughs> and so, because she loves him so much, she's always, like, writing about, like, what a bad boy, like, he yes, is. he's a notorious bad boy, yeah. So... I never actually expect him to be a good actor. <laughs> Why? That's unfair. That really, like, it is unfair. It is. It's totally Just unfair. Just because he's an attractive bad boy means he's... Yeah. Okay. It's totally unfair. Yeah. yeah. It's completely unfair. Because he's really me. good. Yeah. He's a really good actor. Oh, no. Three movies I've seen him in because I forgot about The Magical Beasts of Grindelwald. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yes, forgot yes, about yes. that one. We just... You just mentioned that, that great movie. Um, yeah. And your point of this is... That he's good. Okay. That I'm always surprised that he's good. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I th- yeah, he's good. He's a good actor, you know, and it's a heavy role for him to take. He's like, because, you know what it is? Is because he's such a bad boy and slick and, like, good looking. Like, for him to play, he's kind of like an awkward, goofy character in this movie a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, he's he stumbles around. He, he botches his first hit. He, like, says really weird shit. He says really um, horribly, <laughs> like racist, yeah. sexist, classist. Yeah, but he doesn't sizist. appear to like really recognize that but it's those it's all, things. But it's all like it's all so ridiculous. Like the his like combinations of like like the, the fat black whatever twelve yeah. year old. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. His lines are totally random. That's what I mean. Is his character is not a smooth operator. No. And uh, and to see him do that well was, was is, is nice. And I don't know, like I said, the second time I, I I've I've seen it, I feel like it drags a little bit in parts. But like I said, I just think the writing is really tight. I think the direction is could have been better. Why? I just think that like with as quick witted as the script is and how strong the script is, I feel like it should have been faster paced. Now, it was only an hour 45 minutes. It's not a long movie. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, thought, but, I didn't feel that it dragged at all. I don't think it needs to get faster. I just think that, like. Because if you, if you pick it up, if you pick up the pace with this, I feel like it becomes a different movie. No, no, that, that's fair. No, no, I think that makes sense. I, I like, But, like, to me, like, the chasing at the end between Colin Farrell and, and Ralph Fiennes, like, there's a lot of them just running through the streets. You know, and it's like... Yeah. yeah, but I liked that because, like, in that scene, Ralph Fiennes is supposed to be, for the first half of the movie, he's just a voice. Yep. And, like, everyone is scared of him. 
don't you better do what Harry says or he's gonna be really mad. Like he's like built up to be yep. like this like super criminal crime boss. And then he starts chasing Colin Farrell. They don't even really make it that far before Ralph finds before Harry is completely winded and can't continue. Yeah. So like yep. I no, feel like if, if, yeah, if yeah, it was right. fast paced, it becomes an action adventure movie. Yep. It doesn't it, it isn't this character study that this movie is. Yeah, and I think well, yeah, and I and I think too you're right. You're starting to convince me that directing was better than I thought. But <laughs> like like I I liked how in a weird way, like realistic, it was. Yeah. Like even at the end when Ray's on the boat and he's sailing away from Harry, and Harry's aiming for him, and he's like, "No, I'm too far away." I feel like in a cheesy Hollywoodized version, Harry would have either not shot and been like, "Damn it!" and they caught him at the end, or he would have shot and missed. The fact that he shots and hits him like mid mast, like bullseye, yeah. is like, "Oh fuck!" Like, yeah. He Harry is good at what he does. So yeah, no, I mean, I like it. It's not one of the best movies, but it's what makes it special. I think is its quirkiness, its weirdness. Like you said, you get done watching it, and you're like, do I like that movie? Yeah, it was weird. It was like funny in parts, but also like kind of dark. Like it's one of those movies where you walk away and it has a very specific feel to it. You yes. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I-, I tried to quickly take a look before we sat down. So Colin Farrell's character, Ray, is, like I said, just every sort of ist that there is while still somehow remaining incredibly charming. Well, mostly because most of the movie you're watching him react to, f- like, or you're watching him fall apart. Yep. Uh, because he killed this little boy. But so somehow he's still likable besides being all these is. Well, I think that's what but, Ken sees in him. There's goodness in him. Right. But I did also find that the movie was very homophobic. Really? Yes. Explain yourself. So this is why I was trying to look it up because I know that like, I feel like there were laws in Ireland. Why are you laughing at me? I'm just thinking, is it because he calls Ken gay and he's drinking gay beers? He's drinking, he drinks gay (laughs) beers. He calls Ken gay all the time. They talk about the the guy who gets shot in the eye with the, with the blank. Call him a puff. They call, they keep calling him a puff and like, there's a lot of like. Machismo? No, like there's a whole history behind Ireland and gay rights that I wasn't sure if they were trying to be funny, like this is how it is in Ireland and mm-hmm. it's funny, or if they were trying to make a comment about like that time in Ireland because mm. it was sort of recent. But the only when I looked it up quickly, nothing came up. No, a lot came up about like opinion pieces or like sp- some speech that Colin Farrell gave to the Irish government on behalf of same-sex marriage and oh, really? his gay brother. So, yeah. So I'm hoping that this was just a commentary on Ireland at the time. Them inserting, because it's really only the Irish characters that do it. No, that's true. I didn't even think, I didn't even catch that. Good job. Wow. (laughs) Thanks. I thought it was just dudes calling other dudes gay, you know, (laughs) which again is not great. So, yeah. Do you ever ever have trouble, like when we watch Peaky Blinders, I have to turn on the subtitles because it's hard to understand their accents. Terribly I, hard. I'm pretty sure there there are lines in this movie that I missed. Oh, I absolutely. Didn't fully understand because of how thick their accents are. Harry says something to Ray at, at one point during the chase, or like right when the chase first starts. I have no idea what it was. <laughs> yeah. Like Harry says something and Ray reacts like really strongly, and I'm like, I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> 
That must have been a meaningful line because of Colin's reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching it as a kid, and when Brendan Gleeson's character hits the pavement and the blood splatters and his arm fucking flies off, I remember as a kid, like, laughing at that because it was so over the top. I was like, oh, my God. And, like, now watching it as an adult, it's, like, a really tragic moment. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but I remember, I remember as a kid finding this fun, this movie a lot funnier, laugh out loud funny than I do now. Now I just like kind of chuckle and smile, and there's some wacky moments. But as a, and I don't know if it's just because it's so ridiculous as a kid. Maybe you just yeah. you're laughing and how, oh he called him gay, <laughs> like you know, and like now as <laughs> yeah. an adult you're like, oh man, that was we're, a good line, yeah. or that's a zinger, or like, oh I like how those two things came together, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do. Does it deserve to be on the 100 movie bucket list, even though we don't know any criteria for the 100 movie bucket list? <laughs> um, like based off what we've watched so far from this mystery poster. I feel like I've only ever seen one movie like it. Okay. And I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like like this slow motion action flick, which yep. it, where it's it's an action adventure, but it's such like it's also so dramatized and yep. it's also a little funny. Was it the movie with George Clooney? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. We saw it together. What was that movie? I don't know. Like the but- butterfly guy or something. Was that a good movie? I don't even remember. I remember walking out and we both looked at each other and we we're like, oh, like the movie thinks it's better than it is. So then this movie did it better. Yeah, because that movie was also super serious. This movie at least has humor in it. Like, the fact that they talk up, like, they talk about how the chase is going to end between the two of them at the end. Yeah. And she's like, you two are fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> those moments make this movie unique. You know, yes. it, it takes a, it takes a serious subject matter and puts, like, real life humor on it. You know, like, when he calls his wife a fucking inanimate object. Like, that was a great, I mean, like, Ralph Fiennes is just, Yeah, it's Jesus. a great line. He's um, so good. Yeah. It's like, what did she, what did the wife ask him to take with him? The guys to, oh. to take, I think, just his There's people with him, not go him. handle yeah. it himself. Yeah. Because he's probably, for, for all that he's he's still a good shot, again, like we see him running through the streets and not being able to keep up. Yeah. He's probably got, he's like, been, the desk job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's the boss. He's not yeah. in the sands yet. No, but I think, just to go back to the bucket list, I think you're right. It's, it's such a unique movie. And the films on this list that we've seen so far are either are either iconic films, super famous films, or like I would say unique films. Films yeah. that like stick out in the contemporary canon, you know, and like In Bruges is one that whenever you mention it, people have seen it, they'll be like, Oh, I really like that movie. Like I think it fits on the list. Yeah. I think if you're a film person, you gotta see In Bruges, right? Yeah, I think so. So what do you want to give it? What do you want to grade it? I don't know because I feel like uh, I feel like even in the however many minutes we've been sitting here talking, I've been like steadily gaining respect for the movie. Yeah, which I think speaks to how how good it is. It's interesting that it got nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes, but only one Oscar. Like fourteen Golden Globes, but only like one Oscar. I think. Yeah, um, I feel like I remember that being a thing though. That it was like essentially shut out well because i think is it one of those things where it's such a weird movie it's not a movie the the academy would vote for right well, yeah and it's, it's like not a serious drama it's not making any clear statement it's just like a very unique this is, also, it is making a statement that i haven't yet fully understood but it's just not a, a typical oscar 
Yeah. You know, maybe if it was nominated in today where you nominate 10 pitchers. Well, that's what I was going to say. This is like, this is pre-Winter's Bone. Yeah. This is, this you is, know, this pre-10. Is, this is when it was five nominees for Best Pitcher. Yeah. So uh, I think if it was today, it probably would get in, I think. Just with the cast. The cast is incredible. I, it's been climbing grades in my head since we started this because I, again, like that ending I just wasn't sure about. But as we talk about it, and I think through the characters in each of their arcs and just what they were able to accomplish, it gets better in my head. I think I'm going to settle on an A-. minus. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I think there's potentially a lot of depth to this movie that I would watch it again. See, my gut tells me B+. But like you said, like I feel like the more I think about it, but like like my problem is with an A movie, there's got to be a lot to it. What is this movie about? I mean, is it even a redemption story of him? He doesn't really redeem himself, you know. So what is this story like? That's that, that's what I'm grappling with. Like, what is it about? You know, there's there's the plot, and then there's like I can't I can't get past the f- idea that it's just a a well written plot movie mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a, movie for lack of a better way to say it like i mean i know there's probably a lot with brendan gleason's character you know sticking with your principles is kind of uh i guess kind of a theme but i'm having trouble finding some deeper artistic meaning which to me is what bumps a movie up to that a category well yeah i don't know i feel like the movie was wholly about their arcs yeah but what was his what was Colin farrell's arc he went from wanting to just be dead to he's dying oh. and he hopes he's not going to die. True, that's true. No, you're right. You're that's right. a huge... No, no you're, right. You're right. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Be cool. Be cool. No, you're right. I was thinking more like he hates Bruges in the beginning and he hates Bruges at the end. But obviously there's more to it than that. No, Bruges is not really the point. Yeah, but isn't it he doesn't want to die because he's afraid Bruges is hell? No. That's what he says at the end. I mean, he's... No, but that's not... Or is he saying the whole experience there, maybe? No, I I mean, I just kind of... Maybe there's a deeper meaning to that line, but I just sort of took it as, like, he doesn't even know which way... Which end is up at this point. Like, all of this But he knows he wants to be alive. Yes. No, the arcs were good. No, I just... So I I don't know know. if that's a pure character study, not really plot-driven... Yeah, I'm having trouble giving it an A. I'm going to stick with B+. Okay. I, I mean, I went from... B minus to B to B plus to to now A minus. Only because I I mean it was so well acted and mm-hmm. I do think that I would enjoy watching it again. It was I mean it was super well acted. It was. Thanks for listening. If you liked us, drop a rating, review, or share a podcast with someone you love. You can find us on Twitter at KidGoesDownPod and on Letterboxd under Nicole underscore ATKGD and Matt underscore ATKGD, uh, where we've got our season one movie list, um, as well as the full 100 movie party baron bucket list that we're working off of. So, one word, Matt, for Bill and Ted. Hooray! Excellent. And for Ambrouche? Deep. <laughs> I'm trying to find a single word for it. Yeah, it's growing it's on tough. me. <laughs> uh, unique? All right. After the kids.
It Goes Down is brought to you by Matt and Nicole, researched by Ariana Gracia, music and editing by Kate Falconer, produced by Matt Robinson and Nicole Robinson, associate producer Kate Falconer.